Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey folks, before we get started, I wanted to just jump on here and just give you a little heads up. Uh, we have had some microphone trouble in the previous couple of episodes and in this episode. Uh, first, if it was Rachel's microphone, then it was uh, my microphone for a couple of weeks. So uh, I just want you to know that this episode, you still have that little bit of a microphone issue where things just don't sound perfect. But I think we got that worked out for the next episode and it's not so bad. You can't listen to it or anything, but just want to give you a heads up that it's something we're aware of and that we've uh, addressed, and I think it's fixed for the next episode, but you'll have to endure it for this one more episode. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Hornbro, joined as usual by my co-host, Rachel Jamison. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Glad Same to have more. you here. You uh, you have a busy week on the homestead this week? I've seen some pictures. I've seen some things you were doing. Yeah, a lot we going have, on. Didn't? We have. Tonight, we're supposed to freeze. So, mm, yeah, already. I got my sweatshirt wow. on. It's yeah, cold. I do too, but it's like 40s at night here. Yeah, it's 40s during the day here. <laughs> yeah, it's 60, about 61, I think, today yeah. here, so a little different. And it's been but... raining, so I've been outside in the rain. Oh, yeah. Harvesting and pulling plants. The garden is done unless it tolerates a freeze. Mm, totally that way. You probably have a few things in there, didn't you? I, mean, you got... I pulled the tomatoes yesterday and the rest of the peppers. What else did I pull? Oh, and some herbs I pulled. When did you pick the last year of your potatoes? I seen you post a picture on that earlier, like a couple oh, days ago. Big, my big potato. Yeah, big giant uh, potato. I did that. What is today? Today's Wednesday. I think that was Saturday. <laughs> okay, Saturday. I see a picture and I thought, well, that's a big potato. That thing was huge. I mean, <laughs> huge. Yeah, got some French fries there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was out today and I, we still, everything's still doing all right because it isn't, it isn't going to freeze yet. Uh, but I'm still picking lots of tomatoes, still so many peppers. I, their peppers are actually going rotten out there because I can't even, I don't even know what to do with them all. There's so many. <laughs> I should I just, I've been trying to give them away. I can't even find people to give them away to at this point. I just started <laughs> composting my cucumbers and my green beans. I mean, I took three bags of stuff over to people and I I just can't give it away. It's like, so yeah, it's, it's a lot. It. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, I've got pet peppers. I've just been, because they start going rotten on the on the plant. So I just take them off and throw them in the compost. Um, have you been doing any more preserving? Or are you still doing things there? Um, I made uh, pickled peppers. Oh, really? Apple, okay. Oh, you made some apple juice? Okay. Apple juice and pickled peppers. I'm trying some uh, 
a different uh, kind of kale. I got some kale uh, in the uh, dehydrator to make some kale chips. I don't normally, I don't like plain kale chips all that much, but I tried doing some with some cinnamon and I've tried doing some with uh, something else. What else did I put on there? I can't remember now. Garlic, some garlic on one, on some. Yeah. I just wanted to try some different because I'm not a big, I, I've, I've made a plain. I don't like them. Uh, but yeah, with some, with some stuff on them, I think I'll like them all right. Have you ever had nutritional yeast? No. Kind of oh, I've heard that you put that on kale. And make yeah. Kale it's not it. yeah. bad to make. That's the only way I'll eat kale chips. I think I just like the nutritional yeast and not the kale chips. I think I'll, I think the cinnamon will be pretty good. I buy the, uh, be interesting. it's not the, it's the real cinnamon. What's it? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put that on there. Yeah. I, I can't pronounce it right either. So I can't remember exactly what it's spelled, but yeah, it's the real cinnamon. So I'll put some of that on there. Try that out and see how it does in the dehydrator. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, picking some stuff and doing that and putting down laminate floor. I guess that's a homesteading thing, right? Got to yeah, do I your mean, it's a, work on your house. Handyman. I mean, you're doing yep, your, <laughs> I've been doing that the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, other than that, that's been homesteading this week. I mean, it's uh, like I said, a little bit of gar- oh, I did, I did get the rest of my. Uh, I uncovered uh, the beds I had covered for a couple weeks, uh, solarizing them, and I did get down the rest of my um, my cover crop seed. Uh, so I put that down. So I'm anxious to see, but now I might have to water because there's like no rain in the forecast for like several days. So I'm probably gonna have to actually water it. <laughs> it's easy to forget this time of year to water things because you're, you're at the end and I'm not thinking about watering stuff out there to get it going, you know, and it's, it's, I have to make myself get out there and do that. So did you plant any garlic? Because I planted garlic. I seen you did and I haven't yet. Yeah. I was giving you a hard time about it and I haven't put any other, well, <laughs> maybe next behind week. Me, but I planted. I yeah. That's yep, why I was in a hurry to get my potatoes out. Yeah. Uh, and I see you wrote a blog post about garlic too. So we'll have to send people over to your website, rewilderlife.com. Yeah. Rewilderlife.com. <laughs> see, I have to remember, I, I know it, I can type it out. Then when I have to think about saying it, it's, <laughs> what is it again? <laughs> I've been right. to it a few times. I went and checked out your garlic. Yeah, I went and checked out the garlic uh, post. Pretty good stuff. You're, you're... Yeah, we have, we did lots of stuff with it. I, I, uh, this is my third year with the bull bets, so that'll be bull bills, bull bills, bull bills. Yeah. So I feel like you're, I feel like you're a seasoned blogger now. You put up like four posts now, I think, and you're well I'm on your way. To keep it going. <laughs> you're doing a great job. I love, the, I love the blog. It's looking good. Um, but yeah, that's. I didn't write any blog posts this week. It's just been a busy week around here, working inside the house, getting stuff done. But it was a good week for it. It was a little cooler. Like I said, the temperature has really changed here. And uh, things are dropped, and it's not as bad as yours, but definitely uh, the nights have been getting cold. It was like a switch went off up here. here. It's like, oh, it's fall. Click. First day, yeah. It it dropped down, I think, 41 the first day here that night. And it was like, yep, here we are. So it started. I I ended up digging up my special peppers and putting them in buckets. Did you? Yep. And I brought in my rosemary tree. Did they handle the transfer okay? Well, I just did it yesterday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I brought my rosemary bush in here. The rosemary won't live through the winter. Mm -hmm. So this is my, this rosemary, it's the second year inside. Okay. Yep. And it, I figured out that it likes humidity. I've been thinking about a lot of things about planting some stuff out too. Uh, My, my greenhouse is set empty also. 
I did. I, I cleaned it completely out. I took all the shelving out of it. I covered the floor in cardboard, so no grass because it's a dirt floor. And I didn't know what I was going to do. My plan, I've really been contemplating making it into a full um, aquaponics greenhouse and then keeping it heated all winter and running aquaponics and growing stuff in there for the winter. And I thought it'd be a neat project. It'd be just fun to build it and, and just give me some stuff to write about and talk about even <laughs> just for fun. Even I enjoy, I really enjoy doing, doing aquaponics. And, and I've had thoughts about turning that entire greenhouse, just making it fully uh, aquaponic. And I'm thinking I might go that route. I've been really, instead of putting the system up, the indoor system I usually put up, I thought about just doing that and making it into a, a full functioning year round aquaponic system and trying to keep things going in there. So that's been all my plans. I'd be excited to follow that journey. Yeah, it's, it's, it would be all new to me as far as doing it outside in the greenhouse uh, year right. round. I think there would be challenges, but I think it would be a lot of fun too. I think it would actually help to heat it too, having that uh, thermal mass of the water in there. Right. I don't think it would be as hard to heat as, as. What fish did you? Well, before I, in the indoor, when I was just using uh, goldfish. Okay. Honestly, but yeah, the, now in the one I did built outside the uh, IBC toe one, I had bluegill and perch and catfish and had about three different times. I had to fish in that. So I've and had those bigger handle colder. Yeah, they do. They do good. I would love to do tilapia, but here, I mean, it's, right. they just yeah. barely have enough time to, yeah. to, to grow. And if anything goes wrong, you just you don't have time to get a late start. I actually ordered them one year and they delayed the shipping. And I ended up canceling the order because three weeks, four weeks went by. They still hadn't shipped them. It was delayed. And I was like, I'm just pushing it too far now. So I just canceled the order and uh, and went back with, I think that's the year I went catfish in there. So, yeah. Just, uh, Speaking of which, we went and um, watched them harvest some uh, salmon. Mm, well, yeah. it wasn't all salmon. Now, there was a few other fish in there, you know, because they were doing it for the DNR. Yeah. And, um, that was pretty fun to watch them do that. What, just net them out where they did. They come up over the weir, and then there's a spot where they. I'm not even sure if they come up over the weir. I'm not exactly how, sure how it works, but up here along the river, the, they'll come up the river, and then mm-hmm. they'll trap them. And they use it's not really netting; it looks like metal fencing, basically. Oh, really? On, um, it's all what do you call it? Like they use machine, like a machine that they built to kind of mm-hmm. put them up and down these rows in there and get them into the, where they harvest them. Okay. It was really and what do they do with them after they harvest? They, these ones were going for dog food. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And they the were DNR does all that, huge. huh? Huge. <laughs> uh, here, the DNR does that. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, and then, of course, they take some of them and they take their uh, their eggs and stuff and they'll put them back into the river. And so they really they go all out on the management of them for sure. No, they don't just let it happen naturally. They fully manage it. Well, some of these, I don't even know if they're now to Michigan. OK, some of them. But we had there was one that I think I'm going to post in the front porch because I was going to try to make a blog post about it. But I don't think I can because of the. The video quality is not that great, but people might find it interesting. But it was really interesting to watch them, the way they bring them in and they sort them out. And there was yeah. a few rare fish in there that they had brought in. So interesting. rare salmon. And those weren't as big. And they had, I can't remember what they were called. They had a hump on their back. Yeah, and, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what they're called either. Yeah, but yeah, I've seen yeah. them. Yeah. So it was pretty Me? fascinating. Made me want to have uh 
my canning jar is full of salmon, but unfortunately <laughs> I, you can't buy it. That was all going for dog food. Plus they were all, but at this point they're old enough that you wouldn't want to eat them anyway. Yeah. I, I've seen, yeah, that they start. Yeah. They, they start look not looking ugly. so good. They're ugly looking. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the front porch. I feel like we mention that all the time and we don't tell people what that is. If you're a new listener and you don't know what the Homestead Front Porch is, that's our uh, Facebook group, private Facebook group on Facebook that you can join. Um, there's always links, uh, either links from where we answer questions on the podcast or I'll put a link or you can find a link to it at redemptionpermaculture.com, which is my website. And uh, you can just, uh, there's a couple questions you answer yes to and you're in. And, uh, and we love to have people in there. There's a lot of good conversation going on in there. So come be a part of the Homestead Front Porch Facebook yeah. group. Come join us. Yeah. Well, I think we'll jump into our topic for today, which is planning out and adding useful garden infrastructure. And it's kind of a long title, but uh, it's a good time to think about it. We're at the end of the year here, our gardening season uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere. I've been aware lately that there are a lot of people in Australia that listen to us. Really? (laughs) So I guess it's not that time of the year for them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's different for them. But here, uh, here we're, we're planning out, we're thinking about next year's garden. So, I mean, you know, what are we going to put in our garden? Or maybe maybe you're building a new garden. Maybe you're new to homesteading. Maybe you're new gardening and, and you're wondering what kind of infrastructure do I need to put in? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Just the kind of things maybe you need to plan out, things you need to add. You don't have to add all these things. But these are a lot of things that I like having in my, in my garden and uh, some things that I plan on adding in the future um, as we build more gardens and, and grow a bigger garden. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's neat to have good infrastructure. It's important to have good infrastructure. You can plow out, a, you know, till out a garden, plant your stuff and grow food. It's that simple, but there's things you can do to make it better, more efficient, you know, get a better harvest. Uh, just a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons to put in different infrastructure, make your job easier. A lot of it is about that. Um, but yeah, we'll just talk about some of those things today. And I thought we'd talk out, uh, start off uh, talking about fence because I like having fence. <laughs> uh, I don't have a fence around my biggest garden right now. And it's, it's, uh, I noticed the difference having a fence, not having a fence there than having a fence on the other part of my garden. Um, but there's a lot of reasons to have a fence. And um, what, what are some of the reasons you like to have? Do you have a fence around your garden? Richard? I do. I have, well, I have my property here and then we have the property out. At, we have a fence mm-hmm. around our orchard. Yeah, we actually have two fences because our orchard is split by a driveway because of deer. Yeah, and then um, we have a fence here, even though we're in town. We have deer here. So oh, really? Fence. Yeah, but we don't have a permanent fence, which is for us been a good thing because it we've moved it around a lot. Okay, we've moved how big the garden was, and so for us it's worked. It also has its cons but yeah yeah we do have a fence and we have found um we didn't used to have a fence the years that we didn't have a dog we a hundred percent needed a fence now that we have a dog again we don't seem to be having as many issues with rabbits or deer yeah like we used to do you have a problem with the dog carrying things up in the garden not our dog but not your dog some people do have that problem right? <laughs> i had we had some dogs that definitely uh, matter of fact i had blueberry bushes in my backyard i had this one dog that was i don't know he had a personal vendetta against blueberry bushes because he ripped every one of them out of the ground i mean he was a schnauzer i mean not a big a miniature schnauzer but he got every one of these things by the trunk and pulled them out of the ground 
And I couldn't believe it. I, I was just like, he went straight for him. He just hated him. I don't know what it was. So Scout is more <laughs> likely to eat. He ate most of the raspberries this summer. Oh, really? Just eating oh, yeah. stuff. But yeah. yeah. When we're out at the property, he'll eat the wild blackberries. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that he, he probably have all those. He got a lot of those out there. He hasn't ruined anything. But I will yeah. say neighbor dogs or our our road is a one-way in and one-way out road. So a lot of people will walk their dogs up and down the road. And then people will let their dogs just kind of roam. And um, that's been our bigger issue is unaccompanied dogs or people letting their dog go to the bathroom in yep. the garden. Yeah, I've had that issue before. Yeah. Oh, yes. I think about fence for a lot of problems like that, like like deer, of course. Rabbits right. are a big issue uh, for a lot of, especially urban and suburban gardeners. They're huge. Um. And, and it's they're not always easy to keep out. And it takes a, a special kind of fence to keep both out uh, with rabbits. You definitely you can have a lot lower, but they can dig under a fence, too. So you're better almost burying a fence so they can't dig under uh, if you can yeah. do that. Um, I don't do that. We have wooden the part that I do have fenced off. I have it's a wood fence. Um, it's uh, it's like a ranch style fence. And what I do is I just came up on the inside of it. And, and what I we don't have deer here. It's not a where I'm at, we just don't have a deer pressure here. So, but I just, but I do have about three foot high fence that I attach to the inside of the wood fence. So it's on the bottom of it and it goes across the bottom just to keep the rabbits out of the, of the garden inside the fence. And like I said, the big garden doesn't have any protection. And I did see some pressure in there. Matter of fact, um, it was weird because we were going to cut. I was getting ready to cut our corn stalks down just for decoration because we I right. harvested all the corn, left the corn out there. We were just going to come down. We're still going to do some of them, but something got in there and mutilated the corn stalks. I don't know what it was, but they're laying down. They're chewed up. Like, I don't know if it was a raccoon or what it was, but something was eating. Or raccoon, yeah. We have have groundhog here. I don't know if he would have chewed on the corn stalks or not, maybe. Hmm. Um, But something uh, definitely tore those up. But Again, we already harvested the food, but it was just interesting that that something got in there and tore those up. But So you do get pressure like that. Um, could have been a dog out here and look crazy. Squirrels are our biggest <laughs> issue. Squirrels, but when I was digging my potatoes, I did find rabbit poop. <laughs> but I was like, it, it's okay now, the garden's done, you can fertilize all you want. There's not a fence that'll keep a squirrel out. Uh, no, you can do not. netting, we can talk about that in a little bit. Uh, yeah. netting will keep them out, can't keep them out. Netting can keep is netting what you're using for your deer on your temporary fence, or do you so have an actual temporary fence? Is a seven foot tall net. Yeah, and you just put posts up, yeah, and because there's no fencing out there tall enough to keep deer out unless you go very high. Yeah, so that's why we chose the netting. Sure, we have. Yeah. So before we expanded the garden again, because we had shrunk the garden, and then co- then COVID came, and we decided to expand the garden again, and we had cattle panel up, which actually works really well because my husband could weed whack against it with weeds and mm-hmm. um and then on top of the cattle panel we had put the netting just okay. because we have to have it seven feet taller the deer will just go right over it but sure. um, yeah. now we've taken the cattle panel down and we just have the netting up okay and that can work for a lot of things like i said you can even if you wanted to even cover a top of the garden you could if you yeah. wanted to make almost yeah. like an arbor over or something um and net it all in and keep squirrels and everything out I, 
Uh, we I've never had to go to those kind of extremes. We have squirrels. We have, but we don't have a bunch of anything that's in it that's actually um, destroying our garden. It was funny because my uh, daughter and son-in-law they have a bunch of walnut trees, and so uh, we brought a whole bunch of walnut trees. I was like, I don't have walnut trees here, and I was like, I want the walnuts, you know. So I I spread them out. I have like a mulch area all over here on the side of the house, and I spread those walnuts all out, let them dry, really good, and. I just kind of left them there for several weeks and let them dry. And uh, some squirrels came in there and they were carrying them things off right and left. Now they're just, they're everywhere. I find them, I trip over them. I'm stepping on them Hopefully everywhere. you're not going to find them in your car. In your well, car. yeah, I could possibly. But what's funny is I'm. I, it, this was spring and about middle of summer, I was seeing little tiny walnut trees popping oh. up because they were planting them and some well, of them were growing. Oh no, I, I don't want walnut trees near my garden because you know they're the, messy. Well, not just that, but they can and they actually have that. Yeah, they they juggling they and then they can uh, yeah juggling and, and they can yeah. and it will inhibit the growth of other stuff and yeah, yeah so I don't want them on because I don't have enough property for that really. If if I had a large property I'd love to have them but yeah, well, that's I'm, what the squirrels do with acorns here. And so yeah. we have, which drives my husband crazy because we have mulch in his flower beds and the squirrels are digging all the mulch out <laughs> all over the place and sh- making a huge mess and burying the acorns. <laughs> yeah. But the good, what, what took me down that rabbit trail was that the good thing was it kept them from eating my garden. They were eating them walnuts. They were just oh, grabbing yeah. the walnuts and running and they were, they weren't bothering the garden so you at need all. To plant like a, what do they call that? A catch crop, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Just that's, catch, maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's what yeah. I need to do is, is plant <laughs> some melons not in my garden for the squirrels. There you go. This is all for you. You can have these and stay out of my garden. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, fencing though is will will work, but you have to go to pretty extremes to keep deer out. Like you said, it's gotta be really tall. Yeah. With rabbits, they can dig under. So you gotta kind of go low and you gotta go deep. Um, you know, so there's just things you gotta do with fencing. But I love having fencing just I love having the separation and the privacy, even if it's not like a complete privacy fence. There's just this level of like, these are my borders. This is the privacy. This is my yard. And it just will keep people from coming into your yard. It'll keep people from walking their pets up into your yard. In an urban homestead, it's really important to have these kind of borders, these barriers that just say, you know, we like you, but you can't come in my yard, you know? And I, I what is it they say about uh, what good makes good neighbors make- yeah yeah so good fences make good neighbors and there's a lot of truth to that too you know is, i mean it's like you, well, you like people but you need your privacy you need your space you know yeah, even on our our very rural land because our rural land we get lots of snow up here and one part of the road it's not even you can't even get down in the winter mm-hmm. but those fences would keep we get lots of people trespassing yeah and um well, and not just that, even for animals. I mean, I was reading one of Joel Salatin's books and he talks about even if you use the, what do they call it? The netting, the movable netting, mm-hmm. he still suggests having parts of your property that have permanent fencing yeah. you know, for animals because your animals are your responsibility. So yeah. Fencing is huge and that's one of the, but it's also can be a big expense. And for the garden, I just think it's, like I said, I was like having, I like having the definition and the, the division and this is a garden area. <clears throat> and obviously it, it does a lot to keep things out. Um, so that's well, just the first thing. Fencing for, you can use your fencing for, I mean, it's pretty, but you can also use it, utilize it. 
Yeah, that kind of brings us to the next piece of infrastructure, which is trellises. You can use yeah. a fence. I use my fence for trellis. I mean, I grow things up the side of it. Um, always have. I mean, you, everything you get. If there's anything planted along next to the fence, it's it's the yep. the fence is a trellis for it. Um, and it gets pretty messy. And, and what's bad about that is when it's time to, if you have wire fencing, which I do attach to my wood fencing, like I told you for the rabbits, and then stuff vines up through that, ripping that out in the fall is really hard without bending your fence all up. Um, That's what I'm going through right now with my beans. I yeah. Need, I use, um, I put a link in the show notes, but I use netting. Mm-hmm. With you can't. Yeah, it's hard to you break that. To the, you have to wait till the things die. Yeah. So you can pull it apart. Yeah, it has to really get dry so it can break it out without busting the netting. Yeah. Because that's what I find with the fencing. I mean, you'll pull it and it'll bend the wire out in the, in the fencing. Yeah. So you have to be careful about that. But I do use it for that. But I love having trellises. When you're limited on space like you and I are, yeah. we have to grow up. I mean, we have to really, you know, we have to think about running things up trellises a lot, even stuff that you normally maybe wouldn't run up a trellis. I mean, I grow a lot of things up trellises. Um, and there's just a lot of different kinds of trellises. Um, I have wood trellises that I made. You can use a lattice for that. You can just make you a, I made these cool little, uh, they're just really small beds. They're like one foot wide and uh, four feet long. And I, I just grow beans in them. And, and I put a piece of, I just made me a two by four frame on the back, about eight foot tall. And I put a piece of tre- uh, of, of uh, a lattice in there and it makes a great trellis uh, for beans. And I've grown cucumbers. Lattice? Excuse me. What was that? Is it wood? Lattice? Wood trellis. Yeah. I put a wood trellis up and I grow cucumbers and I grow uh, beans on them every year. Okay. And it works really, really well. Um, and like I said, you don't need a, you don't need a big space to grow them in. And I just plop those. What was neat is, I have a chain link fence uh, on one side of my yard. So neighbors there uh, where it's more private on the other side, cause we have a barn and stuff, the other side, but I put those right along that chain link fence. And so I got these eight foot trellis, you know, uh, sections up. it builds a, a privacy wall also, which is kind of nice. So it gives you this like green wall, you know, green beans, and cucumbers along that fence. Uh, but I'm away from the fence a little bit, but it still gives us a lot of privacy by growing like that. Yeah, um, I grow, my husband made metal, the hollow metal conduit that you use for wiring mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, he took that and you can buy conduit benders. Mm-hmm. He took that and bent it and then it's sticking into the ground. We put it in the ground with re-rod that he okay. put. The rebar, yeah. Rebar, yeah. I said re-rod, rebar. <laughs> and, um and then we on that we have that netting and we move those all over the garden. And some of those nice. I'll have to post a picture, but I have my beans climbing up up those and I made like a tunnel with those. But people use cattle panels. Oh, so you put like several of them in a row hooped and use yeah. them almost like like hoops in a garden, but just yeah. taller. And we okay. those um probably 10 or 12 years now, but he also nice. made some rounded ones. And then we have some that we made as trellises. Just they last forever because it's metal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, really. And it's pretty inexpensive. I mean, uh, condo is pretty inexpensive. Yeah, and you yeah, know, like and I said, it'll last forever. Netting, 
uh, the netting that I bought has usually lasted me three or four years before it starts okay. to rot. Yeah, that's a really good frugal way of doing it. Uh, a lot of people are going cattle panels. Uh, you know, a lot of few gardeners on YouTube have made that really popular to make the, yeah. the cattle panel arches. And, and it's neat. Yeah. And they're not, they don't look great when they're empty. But once yeah, things start growing up over them, and, pretty when they're empty. I mean, I'm no, sure yeah, they don't look great empty. But when when they yeah. fill up, they look fine. They look great. Everything's hanging down there, and it makes it easy to harvest, and and they look nice, and and you can walk under them, and it's just it's pretty neat look look once they're full. We use um, cattle panels as um, the shorter trellises, mm-hmm. not for like beans. I've used those like this year. I used them for melons and cucumbers. <sighs> just ran straight and. Did you yeah, arch so them or like, okay? Yeah, like four, they're like three and a half feet tall, and we just run them straight. Yeah. And we put uh, the T post, I think that's mm-hmm. like every homesteader and gardener's best friend right there. The T yeah. post, yeah, <laughs> having some T posts and some cattle yeah. panels both will give you a lot yeah. of, and we just wire the we move them all over the garden depending on yeah. where I put stuff. I think I mentioned this to you last week, but not on the recording. Uh, but I seen a person that they they saved all their old grapevines. Like they cut their prune, their grapevines back yes. and they saved all their old grapevines and stuff. And then when they built those panels, because they don't look all that great when they're empty, they actually uh, tied the the grapevines on the metal parts of the fence and made it look like it was a, you know, grapevine archway, you know, but then stuff would grow over. So it looked good when it was empty. Sounds, like, it looked, yeah, really it, it looked nice, you know, and it's important yeah. to get it looking nice. I think, I mean, in some situations, I mean, some people don't yeah. care, but, I, I like to keep things looking um, like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people use grapevines or willow to do that waddle fencing. Mm-hmm. The waddle right? fencing. Like yeah. My dream is to do something with that. I mean, yeah. I've seen entire raised bed built out of those. And that's yeah. pretty neat too. They'll just yeah. build the whole sides out of those. I don't know how long it would last because it's not, you're using pretty thin branches. So I don't know that it would last for a long on a raised bed. Yeah. I know our pallet, we made raised beds out of pallets and those Me lasted too. like, four or five years i think mine about five years i think mine started coming i think a couple of them i tore down at like five and then i, I used a couple of them another year i'd yeah. like to try that new burn method and see if maybe it would last longer not the new one but the one that i'm now aware of it's <laughs> been around for a thousand years yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah um but yeah that i think that's what i've been doing with uh with some stuff in the garden you know if i'm putting in borders or anything I've been doing that because it brings out the natural oils in the wood. Yeah. It kind of helps protect it. It keeps bugs off of it from eating it. Um, does a few things. So, yeah. Yep. It's it's a good way to do it. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but for the podcast, for the podcast it's like Yeah, I can't either. Wood. I did a whole uh, blog post about did different you, methods yeah. for preserving woods. It's one of my mentions. Yeah, you use like cool. a flame weeder or something and you... Yep. go along the wood and you get it to look charcoal you don't like burn it up but you get it yeah. to look charcoaly and then you rough it and up you have a i personally think it's a pretty good look too i think it looks nice too when it they does do it. Yeah. it does when i was helping when i was managing a store we had shelves built out of it and it was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think i like building art uh, uh arbors and pergolas i kind of use them interchangeably i think they're a little bit different ones more i think a pergola is is that the one that's flat at the top? Flat and an, in generally in an arbor is ours generally. But yeah, I built a pergola, I guess, if we're using those definitions for my my great uh oh, yes. vineyard. And, and it's got I put four posts up and I bought cheap posts. I bought like a landscape chemicals and use them for posts. Okay. And I put four posts up and I actually just laid a cattle panel, uh four by eight cattle panel. So it's an eight foot long uh 
pergola. <laughs> I keep wanting to say over pergola with uh, with the four posts. So it's eight foot long, and I spaced four foot, and I just played it flat across there and and uh, nailed it to the top of this post. And then I grew that up that, and it works great. Uh, I actually, it's a like I got a post in the middle, kind of holding up the center too, where the actual vine comes up, or the, the the plant comes up, and it's worked great for years. I've had it there for a long time, and it's been working fantastic. I don't take nothing down; I just leave it there. Um, I so that's, that's a good on our one. list for next year because we have uh, grapes that we put in, but I haven't put any thing for them to climb on yet. Yeah, that's that's worked really well. I actually went around the sides too and all but one side where I could walk under it, but I actually enclosed it with fencing too. And I've been growing stuff using that as a trellis on the sides of the, of the pergola to grow things on the inside of there with the grapes. And, uh, but it has to be a little more uh, shade loving because it gets pretty shady, uh, you know, when I grow stuff there, but yeah, it works pretty good. You can, there's some things that will vine up and grow there. I mean, one end of it's more sunny than the other. So I can grow more stuff there. But for a while to make one and I'd when I first put it up, I actually had this idea of just enclosing it completely and putting a quail, make a quail pen under there, like just let them run kind of crazy under there and just turn them loose and just let them do their thing. And, but I just, I never got around to that, but that was kind of my thought when I did, because I thought, well, they could clean that up, fertilize the grapes. I mean, you know, they could do a lot and I think it would work, but I just never got around to doing that. That's a good idea. And that's like a function stacking. Yeah. Yeah. You function stack it, use it for several different things. You have trellises on the outside plant. You can plant yeah. like some comfrey and things like that from the munch on the inside. Cause they're not going to probably kill it unless you had just a way over abundance of quail in there. To create shade for either chickens or rabbit. Yep. And that grapevine provides a lot and of shade. In the summer, of course, or, And then in the winter, they need the opposite up here. Yeah. And that would be perfect. Yep. A living shade would be perfect because they yeah. die back. I think it would still work. I mean, it's something I might do in the future. I still haven't got around to doing it, but yeah, I, I have been thinking about that for a long time, but uh, yeah, you can build things like that. And it's just great to use those to, to trellis things up. It's another way of just yeah. trellising up and, and creating this, you know, when you got that overhead, you can, I see a lot of people grow loofahs like that, boards like that. Yeah. Uh, I did loofahs last year yeah. on an arch and then they just hang down. It looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think it's really neat to walk through a tunnel. I, I mentioned last week all oh, those pumpkins I, that the rabbits planted, you know, where you could walk through there and if they were all just hanging down from the top. So it's kind of a neat thing, too. But cool. yeah, there's lots of ways to grow vertically. And, and I did a lot of. Yeah, I, I built several, too. I, uh, I built like a long one. It wasn't really traditional, like TP, like three posts or whatever. I built like a, I just brought two of them together like all the way down in a long row and then ran a pole across the top all the way down the center. Yeah. So I made like this really long, you know, I did that last year with my beans and it looked very primitive because I used big, I used thicker sticks, but I, I used bamboo. I used the bamboo posts on mine. Yeah, everybody yeah. commented how it looked like a old fashioned garden when they walked by. Cause I get a lot of people that walk by and talk to me. Yeah. Mine's out there right now. It's the same way. And I get people mentioning talking about it too. It's out there in the front, yeah, kind of in really my front like yard. Even. I should do it again, but everybody really liked it. So yeah, it works really well. Uh, I, I actually, because I didn't want to, I, you could have built uh, more bamboo sticks. I could have just made it all wood or whatever, but I actually just took string and I made like, I went across, it was nylon string. It just made my uh, fence basically yeah, like a, you could use netting or, Something like right. that, but I actually just took string and tied rows across it all the way down, and just made it like for it to climb up, and it worked really well. So, and it, I can just cut it all off there when I'm done with it. 
Well, and the nice um, thing about sticks is, I mean, what I used was just sticks that we cut off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's super frugal. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got the, if you've got sticks, you can just cram them in the ground. It works great. Bamboo will last a long time. I can reuse those. Which is nice. It's pretty expensive to, to buy. Yeah, it does last. Them. I have some too, and it lasted, it lasted quite a while before it started to fall. Yeah. Apart. And I just crammed, like, I'll take, you know, I grow pole beans up a straight pole. I'll just cram one bamboo stick right there to plant, let it go straight up the pole and just kind of go climb up that one pole. And that works really well too. So, and I also use it to grow cucumbers on. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's lots of things you can do. Um, but I think the conduit, when you're thinking about something that lasts, I mean, cause there's, there's, there's cheap and there's inexpensive and, and, you know, uh, it's not always, being frugal doesn't always mean you just go the cheapest route. Like there's a ways to go the cheapest route, right. the con- but you think about the conduit, you can spend a little bit of money, but it lasts you for years and years. So I think yeah. that's a really good thing to do. Um, I think we're going to do more of it too, especially. So I want to make some that, uh, for row covers. Yeah. Like we talked about because of pests, especially, I think both of us have had issues with the, the, um, cabbage. You, you mean use conduit to make the hoops? Yeah, to make the hoops, and then my floating row cover can go over that. I think that's a good idea I can put because netting over it because I had so many yeah. issues this year with my cabbage with the cabbage moths. I think so, using conduit for that's a good idea too because the hoops you buy just aren't big enough. It's hard to find hoops that are big enough for when that stuff gets fully mature. Like it's fine when you've got the small plants in there, but as those things grow and get bigger, if you want to leave netting on stuff, you're going to need something a lot bigger than that. I bought uh, hoops and yeah. um, one with shade cloth and. They, they weren't like by the time my plants got were several weeks old, they were the shade cloth was the hoops were too short. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how I kind of got into that mess this year. I got the biggest hoops I could get. And still by the end of the season, they were, you know, halfway through the yeah. season. I, I pretty much had to pull them because they were getting, they were starting to grow around the hoops. Well, and, and the conduit you can buy just anywhere. You can go yeah. to the hardware store, you get right. long sticks and you. And, and the vendor isn't that expensive. I mean, none of that's really expensive. It's, you right. know, it, but it is a little bit of expense up front, but then you got it for years. You can just keep continuing to use it. Yep. So that's a good idea. I like to put in another piece of infrastructure that's really important to me. It's just something I put a lot of emphasis on. And it probably usually, the, it is the, it is the first thing I put down before I even plant gardens as a path. I put down paths. Mm-hmm. I want to define my garden. I want access into each garden bed. And I want to be able to walk in my garden every day without compacting the soil. I want to have access to get in there with wheelbarrows or whatever. And I just want to be able to take like little mini nature walks through my property and walk the paths. I I love to have the paths in there. I find that having the paths around your gardens will help with weed control because grass will you have your planting directly in the ground grass will just kind of walk into your garden but if you have that a couple foot of path all the way around your garden it prevents a lot of that um you know so it creates a lot of edge and in permaculture edge is important edge is where life is um things love edge and i've done a whole podcast on the edge effect in permaculture and it's 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 something i I mean, I've witnessed it time and time again. I love to create as much edge as I can. That's why I even create a lot of meandering paths because you get more edge that way. And now the big garden I build, it's actually got straight paths kind of crisscrossing through it. But um, when I'm doing the stuff in the backyard or whatever, I like to create meandering paths. And so there's a few ways you can do paths. Uh, I've got several different ways here. I have, We have a gravel path that comes down through our main 
right along our house, all the way into our backyard. It goes off through the vineyard area where we have the, the, some trees and, and the, uh, the grapevines. Um, so that's gravel. We do mulch. Mulch is great. Gravel's great for a while, but weeds will start coming up and, and seeds will get in. Yeah, yeah, we've done both mulch and gravel and the gravel and you know we ended up having to one of the uses for our flame weeder has been yeah. for the gravel because we now we're getting weeds in it yeah i think the mulch in a lot of ways is better than the gravel the gravel looks great so. but once the weed seeds get in there uh well the good thing about mulch is you can always pick some, and add more mulch to it just keep deepening yeah. deepening yeah. your mulch and add to it can't really do that with gravel it's there. It's not going anywhere. It's not disintegrating. It's not, the soil's not eating it. It's just going to sit there. And, and when we start popping up through that, you think I can just dump more gravel on it. You, you have to right. try right. to get to the, and, and even if, and we put down landscape fiber under our gravel walkways pretty heavy. Absolutely. And about two years in, it started coming through that. Yeah, the seeds, I think, just fall in there. Yes. Yep. When I, when I do the cardboard, uh, when I do the mulch pads, I just lay down a couple layers of cardboard. And then I just continue to add mulch. And I got to tell you, they la- it does just as well as the gravel as far as holding up. And, and better, really, than, than the gravel as far now as keeping weeds guys, out. Do you guys get lots of leaves? The leaves? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We do have a hard time sometimes with the mulch with when, when it comes fall for removing leaves. So, but my what husband mean, likes just to Breaking it up, I mean? Yeah, breaking them up. The mulch yeah. just kind of, sometimes it's a little bit harder. But the... I, I, yeah. Yeah. I guess where I have those paths, I don't really have that big an issue uh, with that. But like I said, in the spring, I usually put down a whole nother, you know, four or five inches so of mulch many. in the spring. I mean, I go through a lot of mulch. Right. And so yeah. we're, we're putting down a lot of that. But yeah, I like doing that. Uh, uh, like I said, gravel stones, uh, like your like um, slate stone or your uh, flag. Oh, those are uh, pretty. I would love yeah. to do that. But I, I love that. It's expensive. It's re- it can be really right. expensive unless you live in an area where that stuff's just everywhere, uh, where you can just walk out in nature and grab some of it or whatever. But here, where I'm at, it isn't common, so you have to order or buy it, and it's it's expensive. And I do think yeah. it's really nice. Uh, pavers are much cheaper. The flat pavers you buy it like your big yeah, box. Yeah, we had stuff. those for a while, and we took them back out because Th- we those were are nice. The same um, with but, the grass. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll just, I just cut out the grass, lay them down and let the kind of grass kind of, I'll keep a little gap around them and let it kind of fill in the gaps with the grass okay. or whatever and then mow right. And, but I always sink them so I can just mow over it. And it, that way okay. it just makes like this sunken path into the grass that you can walk along, which is, which is nice. It works pretty well. And we've got some of that around here. <laughs> we've got all kinds of different paths. I love, I love paths. And then you can also, I mean, if you want to go fully into it, you could actually put down concrete paths. It's expensive, going to last for, you know, decades, it's going to last a long time. Uh, but you can use, if you want a, a cheaper way, you can actually use broken concrete and make what, you know, permaculture people like to call urbanite, you know, and turn right. it over and make like this, uh, make your broken concrete. And you can use that and kind of do what I was saying about sinking it like you would the pavers and the ground a little bit, and let the grass kind of grow up around it. Um, I have found though, that just using like grass or clover pathways, how much you don't, yeah. It, it'll walk into your garden a little bit, but it's actually easier to maintain because you just mow it, you know, yeah. and, and, and clover is really nice. That's great. Too. Yeah. yeah. Clover is really nice because you get that benefit. The benefits of cl- clover, I mean, it's like, a you know, if you use white clover, it's a perennial, but it, it has the benefits of, you know, the, the nitrogen effects and things like that. So you're cutting it, it's releasing nitrogen. So, I mean, and that stuff is feeding the soil around mm-hmm. it. 
even on the edge of the path right, exactly. pathways. Uh, one so, of my friends had uh, has wood paths, like actual built wood paths. Yeah, that's that'd be really nice. Uh, again, it actually looks really pretty. Price of lumber right now, that'd be a yeah, you real expensive now, way to go about it. But yeah, yeah, and that's why, like right now, I mean, thrifty would be the grass or the clover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, unless you have a wood chipper and you have the ability to chip like branches and stuff like. Yeah, that. I've actually gotten to where I feel like that using like clover or mulch is my best options now. I mean, yeah. uh, but even with mulch, if you got access to a lot of mulch, that's fine. If you don't, then probably just leaving grass. Or, or I, I like clover. I would try to pull out the grass and get clover planted down. Uh, it's going to stay low or it's going to require less maintenance. And it's got benefits that grass doesn't have. It's going to feed the soil. Rabbits. Could you make it wide enough that the rabbits could tractor down that and eat that clover? You, absolutely. That's would yeah, be a real, yeah, really function good stack function there. stack there of doing that. Now, you're going to have to walk on that. So you're going to have some droppings and things like that, too. But if you don't mind that. Uh, if, you moved them every, if you moved them every day and didn't have a lot of rabbits, it wouldn't be a big deal. Right. But, yeah, if you had too many and didn't move it enough, it could definitely right. get pretty messy. We, got, we have the dog pile issue. So, you know, yeah, yeah, rabbit yeah. poops, no big deal. No, it'll just, it'll just squish into the ground. <laughs> I love a podcast when we're talking to homesteaders because they get us, Rachel. We talk about smashing rabbit poop in with our shoes into the ground. Doesn't offend anybody on a podcast like this. No, no. You couldn't talk on a normal podcast like this. Well, I mean, rabbit poop is so, such a fertilizer bomb that, you know? Yeah, And I love the function stacking. I think anything, you know, when you have, we've talked about this before, but when you have such a small space, you have to really plan things out and think about Mm -hmm. it. If you're going to have, like you have quail and your quail tractor. Yep. I think having a small space has actually helped me be a better planner now that we have a bigger space because we have to plan so far ahead. You have to be really intentional about every single thing you do on a small space. And that's why I feel like so many urban homesteaders, urban permaculture people are, are, have such a well-functioning system on their properties because you have to have it. I mean, if you're going to grow in abundance, I mean, you can, you're going to have to cram that stuff in there and it's going to have to, be functioning, you know, at peak performance, and you just have to you have to fact, function stack everything, and and it, it it runs like a well-oiled machine, really. When it's when it's I mean, and my right. yard could be much more productive than it is, and it's it's pretty productive if I took yeah. the rest of the grass out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing what you can do, and that's why I've always it fascinates me. I mean, I would love to have a big property out in the country, but it also fascinates me to do a lot with a small property. I think it's fun to just to see what you can do because. Honestly, I'm doing a ton of stuff here, and there's so much more I could be doing. I mean, honestly, yep. there's just so Same much here. more. Same here. Yeah. We could be doing and, a lot more. And it's amazing to me that you can do that much on a small piece of property. And I just don't think people, most people don't think about, or they just don't understand what could be accomplished on a property that, you know, yeah, I mean, property size. Short of having a cow. Yeah, you're not going to do large livestock. about the only animal, maybe a sheep. Or a lamb, but I mean, there's people that have goats in town, and a lamb's about the same size as a goat. So. I, I wouldn't have a pig on a yeah, property in town. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do a pig either. I mean, you can definitely do small goats. You could definitely do it. Yeah. People who do goats, there's the people who do, I mean, like I said, chickens, rabbits, quail. I mean, all the small stuff, ducks. Yeah. See ducks on urban properties. I mean, there's a lot you could do uh, with animals, but and, and it's amazing if you plan it correctly how many trees you can get on a small property and still have a large garden. You could, I mean, you have to be really intentional about where you put stuff because of shade. 
but it's amazing how you can do it and, and grow so much. And, and you can cut things low and keep things down where you can reach them so it doesn't shade things out. I mean, there's just so much you can do there. But again, we're getting off topic. Yeah, we are. <laughs> borders. Borders are something I like to put in. Uh, again, creates edge effect, creates definition, um, separates things, helps with re- weed control. Uh, you can use rocks, bricks, retaining wall blocks, wood, and even build yeah. raised beds. Raised beds are a border. I mean, they really are. They're just an yeah. elevated border. That's what they we are. We have several retaining walls here because our property is a hill. Mm-hmm. So we have several that we Yeah, you're using it for erosion control. Yeah, we're using it for erosion control. And then in there, we've planted food and flowers. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and one of our big raised beds, I guess we have uh, Jerusalem artichoke, some herbals like echinacea, Mm -hmm. um, and I have my raspberries in there. Okay, yeah. I. It's all infrastructure that I think is nice to have. Like I said, you don't have to go full blown raised beds, but you could just put, like I said, bricks or, and it just gives you that Those definition. Are bricks. Those yeah. Are bri- uh, actual. Like the retaining wall or. These are regular, like, just like regular bricks. And what's nice is a lot of times you can get those for free. You can look yeah, at people who are ripping out a chimney or a road, we, just brick um, road. Or, yeah. We drove a rebar down in and we filled some of the cores mm-hmm. to keep it because it's a pretty tall one. Yeah. But I mean, you can use, I've seen people use concrete block. Even. Yeah. You can and do you a lot of things. It look nice. It's kind of that, uh, right now that whole industrial look is in. I mean, if you combine some of that concrete block with some of the burned wood, I think you can. That'll look, that'll look I like too much, but it does, yeah. it's functions. And, you know, if, it, if it's yeah. a, if it functions well for you, you don't, if you like that look, if you don't mind it. Yeah, yeah, there's there's really inexpensive ways to, to do a yeah, lot like of this that stuff. New industrial look that a lot of people really like. Yep. I like the I like the wood, the classic yeah. old timey stuff myself. That's my style. Too, but but <laughs> for some people lot, though, I've seen they a love lot it. of really cool, more modern looking gardens with them, some of the rays. Yeah, there's some stuff. people who love that. Yeah. yeah. And it works well for them. This is also the time if you're going to put in irrigation, if you're thinking about your irrigation, start thinking about what you're going to need to buy, where, where you're going to put it, plan it out. Even before you put a path in, really, irrigation should go up before that. You should really think about where your irrigation is going to be, where your garden beds are going to be, and then path around that. Um, laying down your water lines. I think about, uh, of course, I like, some people just like to have a faucet near their gardens, you know, where they can hook up hoses and stuff. So they might want to run lines out for that, mm-hmm. hook up some, and dig that, run the lines out, put a, put a, uh, uh, a faucet out there where they can hook to. It's a good time to put in your drip irrigation, you know, figure all that out, get that laid down if you, if you want that. I, I don't have any drip irrigation. Yeah, I don't either. I don't and either. I think it would be a huge time saver. It'd be nice. It's not something I've planned out, but I think it'd be a good idea in some instances to have something like that. Um, you you put in the notes, uh, rain barrels and totes. Uh, it is a good time to place those and think about where you're going to have your water supply, where you're going to collect it where it's going to feed to, where it's, you know, and how it's going to work. Yeah. It's just a good time to put in that infrastructure before you start putting in the whole garden. Um, right. Have that pre-planned. It's a good idea. It's good. It's a good infrastructure to have. Uh, in that same note, you can do the more nat- natural permaculture way and put in your swales, your reservoirs, your ditches. Um, all those things are important. You know, everybody thinks, well, swales, you don't want a ditch. You want to keep water on your property. Well, I've seen some properties that want ditches because you want to get that water off there because it's got so much water collecting and you need to actually put in ditches to keep your garden from flooding out um, that's our property we actually yeah. have 
we actually dug a couple of those because the, yeah. the water comes down our road, hits our driveway, and just creates a river yeah. through, through our garden. Yeah, so sometimes it just depends on your needs. Everybody in permaculture talks about yeah. swells all the time, but there's there's a time to get rid of the water, too, if it's too much. So well, uh, you, you, you need a combination of the water. rain just falls from the sky a lot. Yeah, me too. Indiana, we don't usually, except for this year, we have yeah. plenty of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are, this is the time to think about those things. Where are you going to put those wells at? Where are you going to dig a ditch if you need one? Where are you going to put these? When I mentioned reservoirs, I'm really thinking about like these, uh, I, I mentioned a while back on the, on the podcast, I was talking about a, a video I seen where they dug out all around their garden beds, these deep yes. trenches and they filled it with mulch. And it was basically, that wasn't so much a swell as it was like a reservoir that would seep. It functioned like a swell that it would seep back right. into the garden bed areas, but it was really just collecting it. You know, it wasn't really on a slope or anything necessarily it was just flat and it was collecting that water and holding it in the mulch and the wood chips and like i said they had these things like three feet deep full wow. of wood chips and you still haven't and found that huh i i didn't i forgot to look for it but yeah and so you think how much water that would soak into those wow. wood chips and then feed back into the beds that are next to it and one thing for sure you never have to worry about weeds and that much mulch uh yeah. growing up in your pathways because they're using them as pathways they were using those as pathways the reservoir everything right there so it was a, definitely you can talk about function stacking um that was that was, that's a really neat way to do it a lot of work though a lot of work up front a lot of earthworks right to, to put in something you, like that yeah if you plan ahead well and the other thing too is is this is <clears throat> with permaculture it would be you kind of have to be observing your property yeah you'd want to know, know what, what your needs were coming from right you know like with with the with us our garage is right next to our garden and for us we've always said oh we should be collecting water off of that yeah garage roof you know yeah and and, and like i said it, your needs are going to be different wherever you live yep. like i said there's i think the people who are doing that they were in a place that was prone to drought so man right. that would be the perfect setup for something like that it's, it's really not necessary where i live normally right. it wouldn't yeah. be something necessary but you know a ditch could be i mean i have a friend who's got a property and his man he, can't, he has to be real careful he puts gardens where he track he has tractors for his animals rabbits and quail and chickens and he has to be really careful where he tractors those because he's not paying attention and a big rainstorm comes he could drown his animals because that's how much water he gets yeah. on his property collecting so i mean yeah. ditches are would be really important property yeah, like just that observing what your property yeah. for us living on a hill creates issues for other people living f on a flat piece of land creates issues so yeah yeah i also think it's a good time to i love having ponds on my property i've got a couple small ponds i've put in on my on my little property when I mean, you're thinking about water you're thinking about collecting water i mean a pond is great and for a lot of reasons uh, but probably for most is just for my soul i just love to be sitting next to a little pond and watch the water flow through it and just have that little like uh this little habitat you know a wildlife habitat that you're creating and it'll invite frogs and toads and snakes it'll invite you know I snakes are good for a, garden. a water feature i yeah. i i actually love snakes i know that that's a hot topic for many homes I, I, well but i also I don't, don't live I mean, where we have poisonous snakes. right me, I mean me neither we have, we have a lot we do have some but very few yeah. it's mostly we garden, have a couple snakes. here but it's very few it's not like yeah the american west where you have snakes. most of the snakes we get here would be a blessing to a garden because they're going to kill small right. rodents they're going to get rid of insects yeah. things like that what they're going to eat yeah, so when i see them here they're usually gardener snakes and i'm like you can have all the rodents another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, we put the, it's funny. You put a pond in, things just show up. We have bullfrogs, we have, you know, toads, we have snakes, we have things that just show up and we're in this, we're in town, you know, but things just show up, you know? Um, So I love that that it creates a habitat for wildlife. that's inviting to your, to your garden. You want some of that. We're going to talk a little bit about creating that in a little bit for habitat. Um, But it's one of those things that does that. It also can create a microclimate garden, depending on where you put it. And if you're planting things around it, it can, it'll, it's a, it's a thermal mass. So it's going to regulate temperatures better and it can actually create a microclimate. So there's some benefits even there to having a, to having a pond. We live on a large pond, (laughs) basically it's a small lake. And, um, you go down the road and they'll have a frost and mm-hmm. we haven't like tonight we have a freeze warning. It's unlikely we'll get a free freeze because the lake yeah. creates a small microclimate for our, our property, but just in case I still picked everything. So yeah, the water is great. Yeah, it's a great, it's what I was mentioning about the uh, green by doing an aquaponics greenhouse and having that yeah. thermal mass in there. Cause what I want to do is dig into the ground and actually have my, my oh, fish tanks un, in the ground where it'll create even more you know it'll have even more thermal mass protection and and then have it flowing and the heat you know and some heat going in there also but it won't take as much i don't think to heat it by doing it that way um, yeah, my, again, my one of my mentors uses glass jars full of water for a thermal mass i've set milk jugs i would fill milk jugs i paint them yep. black fill them yep. full of water and set them in there and i have them sitting all over that greenhouse when i was trying to heat it in the winter time and i i think it made a difference you could set barrels in there a lot of people do that set barrels of water in there if you have a large greenhouse and the thermal mass can definitely help so yeah so having a pond does that it, it creates a small thermal mass it's, i mean even a small decorative pond if you're going to put gardens right right in the middle of a garden or something it could do wonders for for uh, regulating temperatures um so i just love having them i think it's a neat piece of infrastructure to put in and it's nice to know to plan that out and had know where you're going to have that before you start putting gardens in and have to rearrange everything. Um, you mentioned in the notes, fabrics, uh, it's a good time to purchase your fabrics, oh, have yeah, your fabrics on hand for, off, for your infrastructure. Um, yep. yeah, you go ahead and mention all the things you put down yeah, there. Well, shade cloth, you can get it in varying different like percentages is how mm-hmm. they judge it. Yeah, The thicknesses um, are your yeah. light, and, medium and heavy weights. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you can use that mm-hmm. up here. We don't need a ton of it because I'm, you know, at the 45th parallel, but I did use it for my lettuces and stuff to stop mm-hmm. it from bolting because we do still get heat up here. But when, if you're down South, it will become even more important for you yes. to have some kind of create shade somehow. I mean, you could use use grapevines but um shade cloth works for that and then i use row cover too yeah it became I use a good a friend of mine last couple years <laughs> and in the fall to extend the season um but you can also use it for pests if you get the lightweight stuff you could use it yep. into the warmer days for sure yeah. yeah and you can get i mean we both have talked about trying to secure some netting even just yeah use use the netting yeah. on row cover just to, just to protect it out. Yeah, yeah, for the past so, birds and, and, and insects. Yeah. yeah. And now is the time to probably start doing some research on it and finding which one you want and how wide you want it. Because they and, come in various widths. Those come in like insulative values. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, um, and, yeah. and, and it's a good time to get your hoops ready. If you're going to purchase hoops or make your own, get those things yeah. done. And that way you have it come spring. It's ready to go. It's a good time of year to be planning out that infrastructure that you're going to be wanting to put in your garden when it's time. This is not something you're going to leave in your garden. It's not permanent right. infrastructure, but it's something that's, it's nice to have it on hand when it's time. And Some people make those up. hoops to fit right perfectly over, um, Raised beds. raised beds. I've seen them. I even see people put them on hinges where they can like hinge them yeah. over and flip them over. That's pretty neat. I've seen Those that. I thought about doing cool. that. I thought yeah, about doing I have that. too. I have too. Those look pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, the fabrics are a modern day tool that is just super helpful. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they used to use stuff in the old days, like collages. Am I saying that right? Collages? They were glass. The glass domes, yeah. Now you can even get plastic ones, too, yeah. Then you're limited on – those are expensive, for one thing. Right, plant. And I've seen people make them out of – like, cut the bottom out of a milk jug or a two-liter bottle or something. And you have to store them, though. Yeah, yeah. The fabric actually – goes quite small. I actually stuff mine into boxes. Yeah, I I have a tote out there that I folded all mine up this year. Put it in a tote and it was good. I'm going to use it again next year. It's just fine. It'll yeah, last for quite I've a while. Some, if you are careful with it, I mean, well, and that's what maybe this is part of infrastructure too. You can buy sandbags so you're not tearing that mm-hmm. fabric up. So you're going to want like something like sandbags or um, they do sell clips, I think. I've yeah, used, you can get the clips um, that pop onto the hoops. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen people use hoses where they take the piece. Yeah, I've seen that too. That's, yeah. Snap it over. But you're going to want either a smooth rock or some sandbags so they don't, because yeah. they will tear. Yep. Yeah. I, I've used mine. I roll mine up with bricks on the sides. and The bricks can definitely tear it Yeah. <laughs> if I, you're not careful. I may have tore some of mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's all a good idea. I mean, you just it's nice to keep that stuff back and just, like I said, keep you some totes or some boxes or whatever, throw it in in the winter, bring it back out in the spring and just have that stuff on hand. And you can use it for several it. years. Yeah. Laid my down on the grass and hosed it off, let it yep. dry out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A big one for me is building infrastructure that invites uh, pest predators. Yeah. Some of those are other insects. Some of those are animals that you want on your property. We've mentioned it already with the pond, but, you know, there are some birds you want on your property. Birds eat a lot of insects. They eat a lot of bad insects. They eat the good insects too sometimes, but they eat a lot of bad insects. They can do a lot there. Um, they can eat your garden too. Certain kind of birds will go more for your garden than they will for insects. Because you're trying to invite certain kinds of birds, marlins, wrens. There's there's just birds that are really uh, they prefer eating insects other than your your produce. So you're going to want to try to invite certain kinds of, of those kinds of birds around. Um, you can do that with by having bird houses, bird baths, bird feeders, bird thing, you know things there that are there for them to bring them onto your property, and and they'll. Uh, what was this you put down about bee water? I've seen that you said, have you ever tried that? I've never tried it, but I've seen where you can make um, like a bird bath and you put marbles in it. Yeah. Okay. I thought that's what you were talking about. I've seen it in the notes. And drink without drowning. Yeah, yeah. we do. I do have uh, one of the bird baths is set up like that. And the other birds, I, I find that, or the bees, I'd rather we drink that water. I find that they're in the pond all the time. I got like the, uh, I do have like the, uh, uh, slate rocks around my pond and, and they a lot of those dip down into the water and they'll crawl down those slate rocks and get right next to the water uh, into my pond. So I see a lot of the bees next to my pond. Well, that was weird. I see my light. I had a light blow out. Did you see that? I saw that. It just like popped and went out. Suddenly you're, <laughs> was kind weird. Of, you're a little bit dark now. Yeah, it just like yeah. blew all of a sudden that light in front of me did. 
but yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we you <laughs> think about watering your birds, watering your your bees. The bird webs, a couple bird baths here, and I have to fill them up constantly because the birds are just in those things all the time. I mean, they're just they're throwing the water out of it, but they're they love the bird baths. Um, having bats on your property, some people are get a little freaked out by bats, but bats are a wonderful oh, creature yeah. to have on your property, and and really you can buy you can buy bat houses or build your bat houses. There's uh, we'll put some, well, I'll put some links in the show notes for ones you can purchase, but there's also some DIY uh, plans out there for building bat houses. They're not real complex. If you're a builder, you can build one uh, pretty easy. Um, I was looking at, I uh, don't, this is something I don't have on properties, bat or, or owl house, an owl nest box. Yeah. And you can buy those also you can build them. There's plans for building those also. But I was, we were talking about this before we started the podcast, and we just love to have some owls on our properties. Right. Um, if you if you have a natural wild, uh, if you have a, like a natural habitat like a woods or something right next to your house, you probably have owls. But where I'm at, I don't, of course. So um, it'd be neat to try to bring them in. That would be cool to have a habitat that brings them in. We have them at our property, and you hear them a lot mm-hmm. at night. But here at our house, we don't have any. <laughs> It'd be neat to put like a, them, but you would have to definitely maybe put, um, make sure your chickens are secure. Yeah, they could. They, yeah, night they would feed at night more often than days. Yes, but, they do. Yep. Um, but yeah, so if you just had them up at night, they'd probably be fine. Um, yeah, but I would love. I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I wonder if I put up a bat, um, an owl house, anything about an owl house. Uh, I wonder if they would come. I mean, if you build it, do they come? Well, I, I don't know. They eat, like a little, <laughs> they eat a lot of the smaller rodents. Yeah, because they'd be great for like gophers and, and squirrels, like we were talking about earlier, I trying to get squirrels. Have squirrels and chipmunks. In yeah, chipmunks, things like that. They were eating a lot of those things. So those yeah. would be those could be it would be really beneficial to have owls on your property. Like I think. A building project. <laughs> Always. <laughs> uh, toad houses. But building something that invites yeah, toads. Those uh, are something I think would be fun to bring the kids involved in. Um, yeah, clay pots work good for that. People, I saw like a little opening. pictures of like uh, people using clay pots and then just mm-hmm. gluing, you know, broken teacups and stuff. To yeah, you can do that. You can use a little. You can make a little project. wooden, little wooden boxes or whatever. Just place them yeah. around your garden. Places yeah. for toads to get in there because toads eat a lot of insects and they can help clean yeah. up your garden a little bit there. So and yeah, inviting like those things. Dry place. And snakes. You know, if you got any kind of thick habitat that invites snakes, they like tall grass. They like, you know, uh that kind of setup. They, they like my pond. I got a lot of tall shrubs and stuff around my pond, grass right there. They like being in those areas. Um, just like if you're in an area that's inviting to po- you know, venomous snakes, you may not want them around. But in right. like where we live, it's a good thing to have around if you can bring them around. Um, but yeah, I love having inviting things on the property. And when I think about inviting things on my property, I'm also thinking about inviting pollinators on my property. So there's some infrastructure that can invite them onto your property. Do you have a mason bee house? I, I do. I have a couple of them. Year, yeah, I, I have a couple of them. Okay. Um, there are there are some questions when you buy them because a lot of times the ones that are store by or made out of treated wood. So okay. and they're saying don't get those and stuff. So you want to try to find them where they say they're made, you know, not use any kind of treated wood or chemicals on the wood or anything. Um, so you can't buy them. Just make sure that you're doing your little bit of homework before you buy them. They're not hard to make, though. Um, I there's some, they look pretty simple. They are. There's different ones. You can drill the holes out or you can actually get the reeds. You can go somewhere where you can find like the reeds and make them. It's stuff like a make a frame and fill it up with reeds and replace those every so often. 
Um, there's some DIY plans out there for those. We can put some in the show notes for how to make them or I'll put a link in there. You can buy them, but I have a couple of them around here and they use them. It's amazing. I'll put them up. Okay. They filled up like every single tube uh, filled up. And, and yeah, it, and, and I'm going to tell you, your nat, your, your native bees are actually better pollinators than honeybees, things like that. That's they what are, I've heard. they're really good yeah. pollinators. So it's really great to invite things like that on your property, give them a place to live. Um, cause they, they'll, they'll move into those little bee houses like that. They really will they'll be hotels. We <laughs> so. have an abundance of yellow jacket nests, not my favorite bee, but we leave them for the most part, unless they're in an area where they're yeah. not leaving us alone. <laughs> and I just think having an area, even if you're in a small sur- suburban or urban area, creating some natural habitat, yep. have an area of your yard that you just kind of, you know, Let you're planting go. things that are more natural, you know? And letting it grow. Yeah. And one of the ways you might do that is by actually planting out a pollinator garden. Um, Planting plants and letting them grow thick in 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 like a thick area or whatever that you just dedicated to that. And with a focus on bees, butterflies, and hummingbirds. Because those are are really all really good pollinators. And uh, there's plants that you can, you can, now you can buy seed packs that, have all the plants in there and you just basically scatter them and let them grow and you can fill up in a nice little area. And that's, that's a good way to do it. But if you're trying to be a little more intentional and function stack your plants to where you want to get more use out of them, you can get plant stuff that uh, will feed those, but also will benefit you. You can use a lot of herbs like echinacea and yarrow uh, um, and, and bee balm and milkweed. And you can use those things yeah. as well, and we have but yet they're also good pollinator plants. You know, yeah. Um, I comfrey is. I think I see more bees on my. The bumblebees here oh love the love comfrey. It. They're on it constantly. Yeah, yeah. so it's a good one to have. Um, but I we notice a lot more butterflies around here now because we have milkweed and we have dill and fennel and parsley, and they right. love that they stuff. Love they that. they we have milkweed in abundance, and they just yeah. love. Yep. And you can, but you can go on and plant butterfly weed, butterfly bush, queen Anne's lace. They love those things too. If you want to have more of a, you know, yeah. a, 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 just a pollinator garden, they love those things. Hummingbirds are something we love. Most people are trying to drag them in by putting up hummingbird feeders, but you know, that's, that's not really the best way. The best way is to do it with a, with a pollinator garden that's built for hummingbirds and like bee balm, daylilies, and patients, hibiscus, petunias, they love those things. They, they'll come Anybody in and they'll needs beat off. I can mail them. <laughs> we have a lot of them here that we have the tiger lilies and the day lilies. And they're edible. They're great. You can't, they but boy, they are, they're indestructible though. They will come back with a vengeance every year. And yep. um, I, I think ours they divided ours and divided ours yes. to the point where we have nowhere really left to put them. Cause yeah, have- they're, they're aggressive um, plants. We have daylilies, tiger li- and tiger lilies. I did mm-hmm. just get a different color because I'm tired of looking at the yellow and the orange, but we got like they the are red a good investment because yeah. you can just keep dividing the plants. Yeah, and you can. And they'll spread a little bit too. They'll walk around. They'll they'll widen their area naturally. They taste pretty good in a salad. Yeah, they're not. good. Uh, you ever fry them? Like a mushroom or something? Like deep fry them or something? They're really good. They taste like a mushroom to me when you fry the really? flowers. I've never tried I, them. Yeah, you deep fry them, like batter them up, drop them in a yeah. skillet, and it's probably not the healthiest way to eat them, but they're delicious. They taste like a mushroom to me when you fry a mushroom. I've like that. only had them in like salads and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're great. Pretty good. They're yeah, pretty they good. are. They are. So I just think that's a piece of infrastructure that you probably want to think about. Plan it out. Find an area dedicated to that 
And, yeah. and that'll, that'll benefit the rest of your garden. It'll bring in these animals. It'll bring in these creatures that, that are going to be a, a great benefit to the rest of your garden. Pollinators, you want them around. And they're just nice to look at, too. They are. <laughs> I, I, love I love having hummingbirds and butterflies flying around. It is. I love having the flowers mixed, too. Well, and the other thing that helps, I don't know about you, but I've noticed um, having the fruit trees. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of it. Uh, the cherry tree brings in a lot of the things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of trees that, that bring in pollinators for that, too. So, And a lot of garden problems that you see um, can be because you don't have enough pollinators. If you're having issues with, like, your corn, not, well, that corn is air pollinated. But some of the vegetables that are pollinated by um, pollinators, like cucumbers and stuff, if you're not getting mm-hmm. a lot of yield, sometimes it's because they're not getting pollinated. Right. And yeah. yeah, it can definitely, if, especially if you're living in a city, say you're an urban homesteader. I mean, you, yeah. there could be a lack of those things unless you're trying to draw them in, you know. So, yeah, it's good to bring them around and do everything you can to bring them on your property and, and bring in the beneficial insects and, and the beneficial uh, uh, animals that will eat the that insects. And it just creates this balance, this natural balance on your property. And this goes along with a question that was in our front porch, uh, homestead front porch this week. Um, and the person literally asked, do you do anything for pollinators? And these are the things that I do. I mean, we, we tried to bring little things, you know, like I said, putting up the, the bee houses and planting some plants that they like. And it's done a remarkable job. Like I said, we see tons of bees here. I'm seeing tons of butterflies. I've seen more butterflies on my property this year than I've ever seen. And we're seeing quite a few hummingbirds too. Uh, I I think we had less, for some reason we had less butterflies this year, but definitely more than I've ever seen. Yeah. Swallowtail and the Monarch. We're seeing a lot of those uh, on the property this year. Yeah. We didn't seem to see as much at our property in town. Now out at our other property, Mm -hmm. we've got a huge patch of uh, milkweed. And yeah. you saw a lot of them. Yeah, milkweed's just a good a good plant to have for them, and it's uh you're going to see a lot of action when you bring in those plants. They're they're going to show up. I mean, you yeah. plant them, and they start showing up. So, uh, yeah, plant the even if it's just a small, maybe a four by eight bed area or something. Mm-hmm. Put some of those plants, thicken it up, make a little natural habitat area that a few I of these saw, things can live in. Where did I put? I think I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw where somebody made a teepee just out of logs or bigger branches and they made a uh they planted that into a little pollinator habitat yeah it was really cute the you could get it. pretty artistic with it do some pretty yeah. neat things and, and yeah. i've seen lots of people that build like the little bug hotels and stuff trying to bring in like beneficial insects and things and, i mean there's just so much you can do uh that and none of it's real expensive. I mean, seeds for pollinator garden. A lot of them are perennials that are going to come back every year. So you yes. plant it once, you're going to have those continue to come back. So, I, think, um, I mean, my dill uh, is not supposed to be a perennial, but it is. Yeah, some of them. I, there's some that aren't there, okay. but I think yeah. a couple. But most of them are. A lot of them are perennials, and you're going to just, like I said, plant once. And if, especially if you just keep that dedicated area. Uh, you can have a nice little nature habitat that's going to invite a lot of things, you know, and it'll just bring in all kinds of good stuff to your garden. It's a good thing to have. So this is all infrastructure we just love to have. And and you can tie all this together. You can build it in and 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 you can you don't have to do it all early on and right off yeah. the bat. But it's nice to think about steps and stages you're going to continue to expand and grow and add. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of infrastructure you could get into yeah, beyond all this. It's like garden sheds different. and greenhouses. And I mean, there's just, there's tons of things, but these are the kind of like your little things that you just think about that you can start thinking 
okay, I'm going to add this little garden. I'm going to add these few things. So it gets you started. And it's important things to think about. And this is a good time of year to think about it because you can start sketching out your garden plan for next year. I know I've been doing a lot of that. Dream all winter long. That's what winter. Yeah. So that's what we're here today to do is just fill your head full of good ideas. So you can start. Yeah. Well, you can do it now. Now you're thinking you're putting the garden in. So now you can act on it. Yeah. You're acting on it. So some of the stuff you can even act on now. I mean, you can go ahead and buy a lot of this material. You start making the stuff. yeah, you can right. definitely get to start digging your paths. You can start you can, some of this stuff if you're going to DIY it and you are heading into winter, you can start yep. looking for things online. Yeah, might be frugal and buy some stuff you can repurpose and, and use it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. So, good idea. Well, that's all I have for the show. Do you have anything else you want to add? We'll have links, by the way, of all this stuff. Anything that we have, like the DIY links, uh, how to do some of the stuff, things you can buy. Uh, you got a conduit bender in here, netting, we use, we deer netting, netting, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll provide all that kind of stuff. Um, check out Rachel's website, rewilderlife.com. All her great blog yeah. posts she's putting your, up. Your website was redemptionpermaculture.com. Always lots of blog posts going up on there. So you can browse all the yeah, hundreds of uh, posts there we have. Plus the, you know, there's, what is this episode 157 so there's lots of podcasts listed and they're all listed there so you can go check them out i think Um, you had a blog post you mentioned a while you had a blog post on um using pallets for raised beds right but just that might be helpful for people so they make sure they source good pallets yes i should have put that link matter of fact i will drop that link in the show notes for this too if you're going to use pallet wood you want to use the right kind of pallet there's some pallet wood that's treated, some have it. They have a stamp on the side of it that you can go by. I will drop a link in the show notes for this yeah, episode of, to check that out if you're going to use pallets yeah. for any projects because some you don't want to use. Some are, are, are treated a certain way that you don't want near your food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure. Yeah, good. Thank you for reminding me of that. I'll make sure I drop that in the show notes for this episode. Um, but, yeah, uh, pallets are a great thing to get. Repurpose lots of things, you know, for a lot of this products. You might even be able to find use bricks, you know, things for your borders, use lumber, yeah. just all kinds of projects. I and mean, it's what I do. I mean, I, I look constantly for yeah. <laughs> anything right. I can repurpose and use because stuff's expensive. And I'm trying to build this stuff on a budget, you know? So yeah, um, yeah anytime you can uh, get away with cheap, do it cheap. So that's all I have. Anything else you got? I think that's it. We appreciate y'all joining us this week and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, happy homesteading and God bless. And grow where you're planting. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a Like grandma did, sitting on her front porch, hunting and fishing like a kid. Once you've done all of your chores, it's
today.